just want to say a little something before I get to my talk. Uh, it's, it's a strange day for us because we've kind of been with you for 13 years and now we're going to be away from you for at least three months. If you behave yourselves, we'll come back. If you don't, we won't. So you'll probably be all naughty now, so make sure we don't. Uh, but it's great to be here this morning. And uh, there's a rumble in the background. There we go. Okay, that's good. And just to say, you know, uh, we've had a great time here at King's over the last 13 years. Uh, and as with anything you do, you know, there's some high points, there's some low points, and there's some kind of in-between points. Uh, but overall, we've had a great time. And uh, we want to thank you all for coming and being here, because without you, just just wouldn't happen, would it? So... It's great to have you. Um, and for Sally and myself, we, we've always known that in leading something, in leading the church, there's time to come in to do that in God's timing, and there's a time to go out. Uh, and that's just the way life is. And... Whoa. Is that one of you out there, or is that me making that noise? Um, because it's almost like, you know, the kingdom of God and the church, God's church, is, is kind of moving all the time. And, and you come in at certain points, and you go out at certain points, and somebody else or some other people kind of take, take on that role of leading. And we know we've come to that point. Sally and I have come to that point. We know it's, it's the right time now for us to step out from leading. Uh, we also know that for Mike and Jenny, it's the right time for them to come in and lead and for Mike to take on the role of uh, lead elder or senior pastor, whatever you want to call him. Call him something nice, okay? Um, and we know it's the right time. We're absolutely certain that this is God's next plan uh, for King's Church. And uh, we're excited, and we are so happy that God has led us and King's Church and Mike and Jenny to this point in time. Um, and we truly believe that this is a God appointment. Okay, this isn't just a, here's a good idea. Um, this is, this is a, a God appointment in God's timing, and we're excited for the future of King's Church. Um, and we're excited about our own future because we're not quite sure what God's got for us yet next, so that's exciting as well. I know what my immediate job is. I've got to build myself a shed, but I'm sure that's not the complete limit of what God has for us. So... Yeah, I want to say a big thank you for all your support and for your prayers over the last 13 years. It's been very, very much appreciated. Also, just want to say a, a, a huge thanks to the elders of the church and those that I've worked with over the years. Um, they've been a great support. You're a great support to me now. I appreciate that to Sally and myself. Uh, we appreciate that very, very much um, because without you, this wouldn't happen either, you know, what you realize is when you lead anything, it's never a one-man show, is it? You can't do everything. You need people who come and support. Actually, most people who come and support me have the best ideas, and then I just preach them like they're my own. Okay, you learn that in leadership. That's a, that's a good way to go. Uh, also, I just want to say especially a, a thank you to King's administrators over the years as well. Uh, most of them have retired with some kind of mental illness. I've been working with me for a while. Um, I, think I, I think I push them to the limits, 
especially of kind of organizing my diary. I come in and I say to Mags, what's happening this week, Mags? Because I don't know. Uh, and uh, it's great. So Dee and Mags and others who've uh, looked after me amazingly well. I just want to say a big thank you uh, to those people. You, I really appreciate you. God bless you. Uh, also, you know, you've had to put up with my jokes over the years. And uh, as you well know, they've not improved either. It just uh, stayed the same. Um, yeah, and, and also all the staff and volunteers uh, at King's as well. You know, there's so much goes on here in the week. If you're only come here on a Sunday, it feels just like this is all that happens. Can I say there's stuff goes on all week, all the time, with loads of people uh, taking part in that. And I'd like to say personally too, for those that have stood with us over the years, you know, there are some special folks we've had who've been there. You know, we've had our special chats and special places that we've been. And uh, just like to say thank you to all you fantastic people who've allowed me to kind of spiel off and tell you what I'm fed up with and still still love me after that so thank you and a huge thank you to Sally uh, she's uh, been my rock she's an amazing wife and without her I could never have done this job it would have been impossible and, and it's been a real uh, a real life partnership that we've done together and uh, Sal, thank you so much. You've, uh, you've been there as a support, and actually Sally has all the good ideas as well. I'm not sure I do anything, really. I just kind of stand here and just say what other people think. But thanks so much. Really appreciate that. Uh, you see, we have an amazingly faithful God who cares for us, loves us beyond our wildest dreams. Isn't that good? You know, we, we thank other people, and other people are great to us, but above all is God, who looks after us, cares for us, watches over us, and he does that through other people as well. But he's an amazing God. So I want to say to you all this morning, this is, this is I want to leave you with a word of encouragement, okay? Because get excited about what God is going to do here at King's. Get excited about it. Get with the new program. There's lots of new programs. Get with it. Don't miss out and get fully engaged with what God wants to do with you in this place. Okay? Is that good? Give me a wave if you're still, still there with me. Okay, good. So get engaged with that. Okay, so talk. <clears throat> uh, Mike gave me the freedom to just, well, Phil, you need to speak on whatever you think you should speak on. Uh, so this morning, my talk is entitled The Walk of Life. Those of you who are of a certain age will remember the Dire Straits song, The Walk of Life. Uh, but before we get into the main points uh, on the theme of The Walk of Life, I want to explain the title just a little bit, really. You see, so often we try and compartmentalize our lives. But, you know, this part is spiritual and this part is secular. And often we do that, you know, so praying or reading the Bible, oh, that's the spiritual part of our lives. Whether we do it in the mornings or the evening, that's the bit, you know, we connect with God in that. Uh, but going to work, well, that's just a secular part of our lives. Or coming to church on a Sunday morning is the spiritual side of our week. But, you know, once we leave this place, then that's different again. See, I don't believe life works like that. 
And I'm going to share something that's so important with you that you should either write this down or you should commit it to memory. This is hugely important, okay? I hope you're ready for this. I hope you're fully engaged and you're fully switched on. This is deep and meaningful. Here it comes. Life is life. Okay? That's it. No, it's not really. <clears throat> life is life. What do I mean by that? You, can't, you cannot compartmentalize your lives successfully. Because life is life, and every part of your life, everything you think, say or do, or everything that happens to you, affects every other part of your life. You see, I'm a whole person. Some people would say I'm more than a whole person. I am a whole person. You are a whole person. In fact, Tom did say the other week that I was more than a whole person, didn't he? We still got to have words about that, Tom. See, you're not divided into the spiritual or secular. So everything you do, say, watch, read, pray, worship, are as important as each other because everything affects everything. There is nothing that just sits on its own and doesn't affect the rest of your life. You see, if you start compartmentalizing your life, if you start breaking it up into sections, you'll develop some kind of a schizophrenic lifestyle. There'll be two of you. And goodness me, one of you is enough. Um, there'll be two. You've got you've to see your life as a whole. See, this accusation, I don't hear it so much now, but it used to be leveled at Christians. While they claim to be Christians, these people, they go to church on Sundays, they act all loving and holy, but in the week, they're not so nice to know. That used to be leveled at Christians. That's the sort of thing that will happen if we start to carve up our life into compartments. Okay, so that's the title anyway. Now I've got 15 points. All about 20 minutes each, okay? So sit comfortably. Now I just have three points. Now, as you well know, three is the number of perfection, so this might be a half-reasonable talk. So, the walk of life. Point number one is this. In your walk of life, remember this. Remember your calling. Remember your calling. Mark's Gospel chapter 1 verses 16 to 20 says this I'm sorry they won't be up on the screen uh, because I did prepare a talk and then I felt Friday that I needed to change it so this is a bit fresh and you haven't got the slides okay as Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. In verse 17 that we just read, Two of the most important, powerful, and life-changing words are said in the whole of Scripture. Those two words are these, follow me, follow me. Ordinary words, 
not very spiritual in themselves, but when said by Jesus and responded to positively by those he's talking to, the words will transform lives. You know that. When you follow that calling, when Jesus says, follow me, and you take note and you follow Jesus, your lives will be transformed. Your lives will be turned upside down. Follow me turned the disciples' lives upside down. It turned their whole worlds upside down. They were called to change their occupation. They were called to leave their geographical homes. They were called to be disciples of Jesus. Just those two words, follow me. And that response can change your life completely. Let me say this this morning. If you're a Christian and you have responded to the call of Jesus, then you've put yourself forward to be one of his disciples. Do you know that? It's just not, oh yeah, now I'm a kind of follower of Jesus. Oh no, you've put yourself forward to be a disciple. Jesus expects you to be a disciple. You've signed up to follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in every area of your life. You see, God does not compartmentalize you. God is after all of you, every bit of you. What you've said is you've, nothing is out of bounds for God. Nothing or nowhere in your life is off limits to him, and you are fully committed to follow him. That's what being a follower of Jesus means. Here's some difficult stuff to understand. You're not the leader of your own life anymore. Oh, you're responsible, but you're not the leader. Big difference there. You're responsible, but you're not the leader. Because Jesus Christ becomes the leader of your life. Why? Because he said, follow me, and you've got to follow him. You're not in charge anymore. That's difficult for some of us, isn't it? Not being in charge of what we do. No, you're not in charge anymore. Jesus is in charge. You can't do what you please anymore. You do what Jesus tells you. You follow him. Hey, Jesus said that about his father. I only do what I see the father doing. That's what we need to do. We only do what we see Jesus doing. Let me ask you this question. Are you an obedient follower of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you an obedient follower of Jesus Christ? The other thing is, being a follower is not passive. Sometimes we think, we're just following Jesus. Okay, here we go. There he goes. Let's just follow him nice and steadily. No need for us to think about anything or do anything. Boy, well, we're following Jesus. Following Jesus is a proactive lifestyle, let me tell you. It's a proactive lifestyle. You see, Jesus wants to take you to all kinds of places you've never been before. But you must keep your eyes open. You must stay alert. You must keep listening to his voice. Otherwise, you'll miss where he's going. You'll miss where he's asking you to go. You see, Jesus is moving and calling and doing new things all the time. Read through the Gospels and see how on the board Jesus' disciples had to be just to stick with him. He took them all over the place, showed them all kinds of stuff. But they were going, well, Jesus, where's he going now? What's he doing next? Let me tell you this. 
Being with Jesus is an exciting, being a follower of Jesus is an exciting place to be. Because when you really follow him, you're just not sure what's going to happen next. There's a few nods going on. A lot of people know that. A lot of people have been there. Somebody thought they were staying in Canada for the rest of their lives. But they kept their eyes on Jesus, and Jesus said, now it's time to come back. You see, they didn't know that when they went there, did you guys? You didn't know that. I mean, we knew it. But you follow Jesus, and he takes you to all kinds of places. We've been to all kinds of places, Sally and myself, that we never thought we'd go to. We've done all kinds of things. God's led us in amazing ways. Jesus took his disciples to all kinds of places. He got them involved in all manner of scenarios. He led them to praise and worship, and he drove them to their knees as well. He taught them all manner of things. They were sometimes weary. They were sometimes bemused. They were sometimes blown away with the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. They never got bored. They never got bored. Can I say if you're bored and your Christian life, if you're bored with Jesus, can I just encourage you to follow him a bit closer? Because I will guarantee you, you will not be bored. You will be stretched to the limit sometimes. You'll go to all kinds of places, but you'll never be bored. I want to encourage you this morning to remember your calling and remember who called you. So easy to forget, so easy for us to lose heart and lose direction and lose vision of Jesus. Jesus has called you. He may be calling you for the hundredth time this morning, maybe calling you for the first time. But what he's saying this morning to all of us, I believe, is hey, follow me. Follow me. Don't ignore his call, but respond fully and commit to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, wants you on his team. Isn't that amazing? He wants you on his team. And he's calling you by name this morning. He knows you by name, and he calls you by name. And he's saying this morning, hey, follow me, follow me. He's calling you right now. Don't forsake your calling. Don't let it grow cold. Don't let the cares of life block it out. You are called by God. You are chosen by the living God. Live like it and follow Jesus. So remember your calling. Remember your calling. Point number two. Lose the baggage. Lose the baggage. Lose the baggage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders this and the sin that so easily entangles. There's probably very few of us here this morning who aren't carrying some kind of baggage around with them. Emotional, physical, spiritual. Remember, whatever baggage you'll carry, remember what we said at the beginning, everything affects everything. So the baggage you're carrying will affect the way that you view life, that you view the things you do. Now, I have no idea what baggage any of you are carrying this morning. How big, how small it is, how painful it is, whether or not the baggage has turned into some kind of a security blanket, which can happen. Or even you use the baggage as an excuse for the way you behave sometimes. 
Some of your baggage may go back decades, maybe to your childhood, maybe to a time at school, maybe to a broken relationship or a relationship under severe strain. Perhaps your baggage is hurts, disappointments, even success can be a baggage. Wealth can be a baggage, poverty can be a baggage, addictions, hobbies, unforgiveness, religion, lack of work, laziness, or even workaholism. I'm not sure that's a word, but there you go. Can all be baggage. And some baggage can be extremely painful, can be extremely debilitating. And I want you to notice the words that Paul uses regarding baggage. He says, he says this, throw it off. I love that. Throw it off. Throw. That's, that's a very kind of doing thing, isn't it? You've got to throw it off. So you don't mess around with it. Don't hum and ah about the baggage that you've got. Don't ask it to leave you nicely. Please, baggage, would you mind just moving over there for a while? Don't just put it to one side so you can pick it up again. So I'll move my baggage, I'll stick it in that chair, and if, if I feel lonely one day, I might pick it up again. Paul says this, throw it off. Get rid of the baggage. Here's the crux of the matter. If this baggage you've got is preventing you from being a true follower of Jesus, if it's making you half-hearted, if it stops you engaging with people for fear of being hurt, if it consumes your thinking, if it entices you away from God, throw it away. Throw it away. Don't be soft with it. Be hard on it. Get rid of it. It's a nuisance to you. Throw it off. Bin it. Don't give it house room. Now, you may be thinking, well, I've tried for years to get rid of this baggage tried for years. Let me encourage you this morning, well, try again. Try again. There's a persistence needed. We read that in Scripture. Sometimes you have to be persistent with things. Be persistent. Ask God the Holy Spirit to come in power and bring you complete release from your baggage. Who knows, this morning might be the time when you are completely set free. See, some of the New Testament characters that we read about had problems with baggage. Nicodemus was the man who came to Jesus at night. Some of you will know the story. He had a couple of problems. One was he had a problem with religion and a problem with fear. They were baggage to him. He was carrying them around. He was worried what others might think of him. He was also still thinking he had to earn his way to God. He was stuck with the law. And Jesus had to teach him about grace and that nothing less than being born again by the Spirit of God would get Nicodemus into heaven. Now, we don't read much after Jesus has talked to him. The next time we read about Nicodemus, he's at the cross with Joseph of Arimathea. He's at the cross ready to receive Jesus' body and to look after Jesus. You see, why? Well, I'll tell you why. He'd lost his religion. Forget the religion. I'm following Jesus. Forget the fear. I'm going to look after Jesus. You see, he got rid of his baggage. His baggage had gone. And you may remember Zacchaeus, the little guy who climbed up a tree so he could see Jesus. Now, he was a bit of a greedy, swindling little fella. 
Now, Jesus spent some time with Zacchaeus, and immediately after Jesus had finished some time with him, Zacchaeus gave half of the money he had to the poor and repaid fourfold the money he cheated from others. See, the greed and deception had gone. The baggage that Zacchaeus was carrying of his lifestyle, he got rid of. See, the money wasn't really the problem with Zacchaeus. The love of money was his problem, and the Bible's clear on that. The love of money is our problem. But to get rid of the love of money, guess what he had to do? Give a load away. Well, he wasn't loving it anymore. He could distribute it in a different way. But he got rid of his baggage. He was free. So let me encourage you this morning, if there's baggage you need to throw off, then do it this morning. Do it this morning. But there may be some time later, I don't know, uh, for people to come and get some prayer about their baggage. Um, And it would be good to do that. Get some prayer. And ask God to release you from that baggage. See, we said at the beginning, our Father God is a loving Heavenly Father wants to release you, wants, to, wants you to live life to the full, okay? He's not a killjoy. He said, I want to release you from all the stuff that drags you down and pushes you in places that you don't want to go and that you shouldn't go as a follower of Jesus. So he wants to set you free this morning. Okay, so point number one, remember your calling. Remember your cord. You're chosen. Jesus wants you on his team. Number two, lose the baggage. And number three, Run the race. Run the race of life. Run the race of life. Paul goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 12, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, we've been called for a purpose. There's a race to be run, and it's called life. It's called life. It's being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's living every part of our lives for and with Jesus. Hey, That's why we need to lose the baggage. See, no one ever won a race carrying extra baggage, did they? A couple of weeks ago was the Great North Run, and I think that's been going for some 40 years or something. It's been going for ages. I've never actually done it, and I've no intention of doing it. But I know some people here have done it, and I think God will forgive them eventually for wasting so much time on a Sunday morning going running. Um, But when you look at the contestants in the Great North Run, there are hundreds of competitors in fancy dress taking part in the race. Lots of them running for very worthy causes and raising money for different things. But over all the time that the Great North Run has been going, no one in fancy dress has ever won it. They've never won it. Never won it. Why? Because they're carrying extra baggage. Because they're carrying stuff that actually prevents them running the race properly. See, they may look great, 
They, they may add some amusement and some colour to the whole event, but they ain't going to win the race. They might be part of a spectacle. They might cause a laugh, but they'll never win the race. See, if you want to win the walk of life, you've got to throw off your baggage. If you want to run the race, you've got to throw it off. Paul also talks about athletes training for a race. You see, we have to remain in constant training if we want to win the race and win the walk of life. Now, Hussein Bolt, probably the greatest sprinter of all time, has won eight Olympic and 11 World Championship gold medals. That's quite a haul, isn't it? What a fantastic athlete he is. Reminds me of me in my prime. Can you, can you imagine him saying to himself or to his trainer, hey, you know, I, I won an Olympic gold last year. Uh, I don't think there's any need to train this year. I mean, surely my talent and my experience will get me through. Let me tell you this, year after year after year, train, 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 train. Why? He's got his eyes set on the goal. He wants to win. He wants to win. Now, thankfully, when Paul talks about training, he's not talking specifically about physical training, and I thank the Lord for that. But do you know there are physical things you have to do that will facilitate spiritual things? You know that? Do you know why? Because everything affects everything. See, if you want to spend time with the Lord in the morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, guess what you've got to do? You've got to get up. And you may have to go to bed before 1 o'clock in the morning so you can get up at 7 do. See, the physical things, they, they determine the spiritual as well. Everything affects everything. See, there is spiritual training we need to do, like reading the Word of God studying the Bible, praying, worshipping, spending time talking with Jesus, getting together with other Christians, coming together on a Sunday to fellowship and worship together, helping others with their walk of life and letting others help you with your walk of life. Isn't that a great thing? We don't have to do this all on our own. I mean, it's our walk and God calls us to be responsible for our walk but you can get other people to come in and help you with this walk of life. Isn't that great? You don't have to sit there on your own 24-7 thinking, how am I going to cope? You talk to people. I've experienced great friends who I've been able to talk to helping me through this walk of life. The last thing I want to say then about running the race, and this is really important, is fix your eyes on where? Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Always keep Jesus as the prize. See, because the walk of life is not always straightforward. It's not all fantastic. There are times when you think, how am I going to cope with this? See, at those points, those difficult times, you need to have your eyes set somewhere, don't you? They tell me, and I don't know this by any experience at all, that in a long distance race, I think I talked about this once before, you hit the wall. Yeah, is that right? You kind of get to a point where you think, I can't go on. See, at that point, I wouldn't go on. But I know you athletes do go on. Uh, and you, you hit the wall and you push through. Well, how, why do you push through? Well, I tell you why, because you want to finish. You want to finish. 
You see, you've got to keep your eyes on the prize. The prize is Jesus Christ. The prize is eternity with Jesus. Anything else prior to that is just a bonus. So you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Know, know what you're running for and who you're running for. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You see, it's not enough just to glance at him on a Sunday morning. It's not, it's not enough to think, well, you know, I, I spent five minutes thinking about Jesus today. I, no, you keep your eyes fixed on him. Let Jesus become so uh, in, enthroned in your life and a part of your life that actually it's just there all the time and you just talk to him. Don't compartmentalize. Why? Well, because everything affects everything. Keep your eyes fixed on the prize. See, everything is about Jesus and everything is for Jesus. Once we have that sorted in our minds, once we've kind of conquered that, that actually, what's your life about? Is it about you? I mean, we're kind of stepping down from leading the church now. Mike and Jenny are going to be there taking over. So what is it now? Do I just stick back, put my feet up and relax? I might do for a couple of weeks. Um, but what do we do? Do we just kind of go, well, that's it? No. Sally and I will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Well, well that's where they've been all the time, and he's never let us down. So we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you have next for us? You see, I want to encourage you, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Hey, it's exciting. Who knows what's next? Keep your eyes fixed on him. So, your walk of life. Remember your calling. Remember you've been called. Follow me, Jesus says. Follow me. Remember your calling. Lose the baggage. Get rid of anything that hinders, slows you down, draws you back, brings you away from Jesus. Get rid of it and then run the race with your eyes fixed on Jesus.